March 5th, 2020, Nanaimo, British Columbia. I am pleased to welcome Nanaimo, British Columbia, and Sir Oxman Stadium to play host to the 13th team in the West Coast League. Nanaimo Baseball, from the coal mines of Douglas in East Wellington, to number six in Jingle Pot, from Departure Bay to Nanaimo Harbor, Gabriola, Wellington, Cassidy, and Extension. This is their story. This is Cobalt. Welcome everyone to another inning of Cobalt. This inning is super special because this is a break between innings seven and inning eight. Normally, this inning would be held for seventh inning stretch. But in for Cole Ball, we're doing something a little bit different. And we want to do this. We want to do a commemoration um, type inning here uh, instead of doing a seventh inning stretch. And as you can see, uh, if you've clicked on this particular inning, you'll know that it's titled. 33. 33 has a special meaning to the city of Nanaimo. And maybe if you live in the city of Nanaimo, you understand what 30, who 33 belonged to, um, but you may not. But joining us this inning, coming back for another special guest appearance, is Mr. Doug Rogers. Doug, thank you for joining us, sir. Oh, my pleasure. So, Doug, if you probably don't understand and know why or kind of wondering, well, why is Doug joining us in this inning again? Well, that goes with our number 33. And um, to get to it, 33 belonged to a young, uh, belonged to a young man in the city of Nanaimo. And it just so happens that this young man was related to Mr. Rogers and his name is Michael Rogers. Mike, Doug, can you talk a little bit about Michael, like when he was born and um, just kind of how, how proud you were and, and, and was he your, was he your first niece, nephew? He was, he, he was my nephew. Um, he passed when he was 39 years old and yes, he was my first, first nephew. Um, and he, he played for me uh, when I when I coached college here in town. Uh, he he transferred and and played for me. And you know I'm I'm glad I had that time with him. Uh, knowing what I know now, you know, back, obviously back then when he's he's on your team, he's just like everybody else, and you're you're hard on him. You're actually harder on uh, on relatives. But uh, uh, looking back, it was extra special, you know, knowing that. Uh, we, we were able to share the field together and, and be together for uh, lengthy periods of time. And, and those are the things I will never forget. Yeah, I can imagine that. And we'll, we'll get a little bit more into your coaching uh, with Michael a little bit later. But before we, before we get there, I want to I want to take a step back and I want to really hit the, uh, the early years. And and how what was Mike describe Michael as like a younger youth, like in the, those early years, right around when he first started playing baseball, like 
what was his personality like? Was he all running around ampy or is he kind of a quiet type kid? How, just what he, what was he like? He was, I mean, on his own, he, he was sort of a quiet guy, a uh, little guy, but you put him with others, you put him on a ball field or, you know, he played hockey as well and basketball, he played multiple sports. He was sort of the, the life of the party. He was, I want to say he was a follower because he wasn't a follower, but he, he, everybody was drawn to him. He had a really good sense of humor. He was, you know, made everybody laugh. It was fun to be around. So he was that guy, and that carried right through until uh, uh, you know his his years as a young man. When you first learned that he was interested in playing baseball, how how did that feel for you? Well. He was in the nine when I was I was still in Victoria, so I missed a lot of his youth baseball. You know, although when I was up here, I would come watch. Uh, you know, I I knew obviously with with Danny's kids that they'd be involved. You know, as soon as as soon as they were born, they'd be involved in baseball. So uh, I really didn't get involved with Michael in, until you know somewhere around the fifteen year old mark when he was getting close to the Pirates. And and I I moved up I moved up to Nanaimo and and uh, dabbled a little bit with with Danny and coaching and and Mike and and his his, his brother Brad were both on the team and I I helped Danny and and got to know Michael better as a as a young man so uh, it was just it was later on when he was you know nineteen twenty twenty one is where I really uh, got to know him as a person, the best and as a ball player. Now, when you first saw him play baseball, you know, you got your, you probably had your coaching cap on a little bit and looking and watching him. You know, what position did you feel that he was destined to play with play at and why? Well, he was one of those multi guys, you know, uh, all, all our kids, Danny's kids and my kids are all those, those types of players. But he was born bred, I think, the uh, to be a shortstop. You know, tough position to play. Uh, but that's where he did play. Danny recognized that early as well. And and he played a lot there. He pitched uh, quite often too, which ultimately uh, led to some arm problems. But he was really athletic, you know, and – he was outgoing, so it was good for that position as a as a infield general. Uh, but he he just he had mannerisms for sure stuff, and a lot of, a lot of those you can't teach. And he was he was a natural at it. He had you know really good range, left and right. He had a strong arm at that time uh, in in high school ball and, and later college. So he was positioned right. You know he's he. Again, with Danny and his coaching and mine, we both coach uh, the way the uh, – how do I explain it? I want my players to be able to play all positions and be able to know all positions. So you're not surprised if you end up you know, with a coach that, no, nah, you're not a shortstop, Mike, you're, you're, you're an outfielder. And so you're not surprised and you're not a fish out of water. You can go to that spot and still produce. So – that was him, and he—you he, could put him, you know, later later on when his arm was uh, uh, shot, he he played some first base, and he was he was excellent there. So, 
but shortstop was his his gift, and and he played there for most of his career. Now, can you describe what your relationship was like with him, like early on? Were you like calling you up and saying, "Hey, Uncle, Uncle, Uncle can you talk? Can you talk with me?" <laughs> no, we're not that that type of family. Although we were we were a baseball family, and our family was close, uh, we were ultra competitive. So. I think I think Danny and I mentioned that in our in our in our last interview, but it, it was it was like that. You know, we obviously we we'd uh, have family holidays and get-togethers, and we're on the ballpark and all that. But whenever we're at each other's house, you know, the whatever it was would break out. Whether it was a ping pong game or or stick ball or something, road hockey, you know, street hockey. Uh, it got really competitive. So that's how we became close. You know, they, they were, our families are pretty tight, but they're tight individually. So, uh, you know, Michael wouldn't call me, you know, and my boys, they wouldn't call Danny, Danny or Teresa or their boys. Although later, later on as young adults, you know, in our, in, my boys are now 26 and 29. Uh, they do call uncle Danny and Nanny Teresa and, and, and it's, it's so cool to see. So uh, that's kind of the, the way it was back then with, with our family, you know, uh, super close, but uh, just not in that aspect. As a, um, as a ball player himself, but you not as his coach, did you ever get those conversations where he'd like kind of inquire with you about, you know, baseball at those holidays, family events, or was it like you said, just, Hey, let's keep it to stick ball. Let's keep it to other things and be a little bit competitive. Cause his dad was coaching. Well, yeah. Thinking about it now, that's a good question because, you know, my philosophy is always, if a, if a player came back, you know, or, or approached me, I would consider his coach and where he was playing and what I really wanted to say to him. Um, stepping on toes of a previous coach or current coach. So it wasn't a lot different back then. You know, I, I would say little things just about maybe his performance or, you know, little things that maybe he could, he could do or try and, you know, but he was in pretty good hands with, uh, with his dad coaching. So, and really his, our philosophies are very similar, Danny's and I's uh, and mine. So, there wasn't a lot to be said. It was just, it was when he ended up playing for me when I coached college team. That's when, of course I had free reign and, and I could, uh, you know, mold him the way I wanted, although he was pretty polished, but there were little things, you know, little philosophies I had that I thought could make him better. And, and they did. So, you know, it was, it was a patience thing. He, although I didn't know he was going to play for me, he was in good hands with his dad. And, and uh, again, he was one of the better players come out of this town. So what do you, what would you say his baseball IQ was? It was, he, well, he was one of those guys that you would say he has a high baseball IQ. He was, he was natural. His instincts were, were outstanding. His base running was brilliant. You know, he could, he could read balls in the gap. He could read. He, he rarely made mistakes. He he just had an instinct, and he had an instinct all over the field. But I remember mostly his base running because I, when I coached, and that's what I utilized the most and uh, gave him free reign. I never gave him any 
many players free reign on the base pass, but he was one of them. Uh, again, a natural athlete, and that's one of those rare things to find. And his IQ went along with that. You know, sometimes he was a little tough to stay focused. You know, uh, he was just one of those kids uh, who knows what what was going on in his life, although I don't think he was ever uh, in any major trouble or anything like that. But, it, I mean, kids at that age, they have a lot going on, and, and they can be distracted. So uh, with him, he was – I had to make sure I had him focused all the time and I'd get the best out of him when he was. And, uh, oppositely, if, if he was unfocused, he, he just wouldn't have, he wouldn't have it that day or however long that lasted. But, uh, I recognized it early, uh, obviously being blood, I could recognize it probably even quicker than I'd recognize another kid. But, uh, you could, and again, being able to stomp on him a little harder than, uh, than other players was, beneficial to him too now what position did uh he want to play the most out of out of everything because i know that you you had said just a little bit ago that you and your brother danny that you know you want to make sure that they're real they're a really good utility player so they can play any any position there but what position was it that he was mostly interested in during his playing time i think it was it was that short you know he he liked to pitch too uh as most kids do but that was his spot and he knew it and he uh he excelled at it i mean let's face it what a kids like to do the most is hit so if he wasn't in the lineup but but dh'd he was happy as long as he's swinging the bat but his uh his spot was short for sure now what was what, what was his on-field personality like was he was he one of those leader one of those individuals who took the, a leadership role and and wanted to to make sure that you know he he could improve everybody help everybody improve be a good good overall team player or is he one that was just a little bit kind of set back and he went along with things and you know was just really good at it well he he was mean uh he had a an edge to him like he was again the competitive family uh Danny being the ultimate competitor, he, you know, that, that just bled into his kids. He, he had to keep them under control uh, at times because he could get engaged with other, other players on the other team, which isn't a bad thing as long as it is under control. Uh, he would lead more by example. He wasn't a, a raw, raw guy, uh, cared about his teammates, but not overly. So it wasn't the, the, the greatest teammate of all time, although he was a good teammate. Everybody was a friend to him on the team. He, he led more by example. So he, he would go out there and he could athletically take over a game on the right day. And, you know, the, not unlike many leaders, that's, that's the way they lead. He's a, he was a, a extrovert, but on the field, he was quiet until something happened uh to spark him and and he could be like i said he could he could be mean and nasty and and uh, he wasn't afraid again back back in those days that's the way he policed the game and uh he he was well aware of that because danny's well aware of that i'm sure there'd be many talks around the dinner table uh after a game that they didn't perform well at that they they had coaching at home one 101 
and it would it wouldn't be pleasant. So they took that onto the field with them. They had a, a bit of an edge and something to prove. And 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 Michael was definitely that guy. Now, during your time that you coached Michael, um, first of all, what was it like to know that he was coming back home? Because you had said shortly a little bit ago that he had been playing college and then he transferred back. What was it? What did you feel? How did it make you feel when you knew that he was coming back to play baseball at home, but not only play baseball at home, but play baseball for you? It was, uh, it was nice. I mean, I, I could say it was bittersweet because it, it's always tough coaching family. Uh, any coach out there that is a, in a high-performance situation, it, it's difficult. It, it's difficult. You know, I, I had a difficult time with mine. Uh, and then when Michael came back, although I was getting a, a blue-chip player, I knew that uh, you know he could do a lot of things for me. I, I had to be not so much careful, but aware, you know, with, with how I managed him and how I used him. Although it's, it's nice. College isn't like high school. You know, I've always said high school is the hardest age to, to coach because you're, you're at a, um, an age of kids where all the parents are, are um, on pins and needles because the next step is, right around the corner and uh you know they have graduation and they have girlfriends and they just they have parties and cars and all, all those things college parents are gone and as a coach you can just you can just coach uh so that was nice for me when mike came back although i had danny and Teresa, and, and yeah i want to do them proud uh to do the right things for mike and and i think we did maybe he he was he was uh, awesome on field. He was again just like I I just mentioned. He was he was that leader. He, uh, a lot of the players that uh, were on my team, he had played with or, or played against uh, in in the leagues here. So it was a perfect fit for him, and he was uh, he loved it. It was just a perfect. It was baseball every day, and and uh, as a young man, not not going to high school anymore, you know, to college with his buddies, and it was. It was everything that he he wanted, and and uh, I I loved it because it, you could see he was just he was in his element. Now, as his college coach, did he ever talk to you about what his aspirations were for his post college career? To me, no. You know that was, in my opinion, his dad's job, and. Not that I'm saying it was his job, but Danny took that over as far as what, you know, they they talked about uh, in the non-baseball world. So what he was going to do um, after ball or in college for a career. Uh, as I said, they were they were tight that way. Danny had a had reign over those over those two boys in in a, in a good way as, as to what I would with mine as a baseball coach, you know, like, uh, and as a, as a coach to a non-family player, I would be involved in all those aspects because some of the family members may, maybe aren't quite as engaged, but with Dan and Teresa, they were engaged with Michael and Brad. And, and, uh, I think they talk quite often about it. Yeah. But what about, what about him potentially wanting to play professionally? Did you, did you talk about that or on a different amateur level? 
Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. We, uh, we talked in, in, in groups, uh, individually about that. You know, I, I don't recall any specific, uh, conversation we had because I have those conversations all the time. And then now obviously too, with, with coaching high school with individuals. So they're, they're pretty basic in, in, uh, in the language that I give to kids, but obviously he was interested just like every, every kid's interested in playing professional ball. And, and really he wasn't uh, that far off. Uh, I, I would venture to say if it wasn't for his arm problems, he would have a real good shot. And that's the problem in, in, in that time, moment in time living here, it was, it was more difficult to be seen uh, because everything was in the States. And with him having an arm problem, he wouldn't be seen, you know, like he was seen early and probably in high school, but just after arm problems, it, it, that that's gone. That that's, reminds me of myself, you know? So uh, it's unfortunate because with him, you know, I always refer to baseball, you know, as the, the, the whole scouting aspect of it is guerrilla baseball. You know, if you're, you're six, four, six five now six 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 seven and, and you're just strong and powerful you get those opportunities over someone who is is maybe smaller but skilled and has learned the game and can, can help you win on field just help you win and uh i've there's so many countless kids that i've seen that could uh easily play play professional baseball out of nanaimo out of off the island here but we're, was, we're never given that chance. And, of course, it was never said that that's the reason why. But, hey, sorry, that's the reason why. And, you know, there's a couple I can name out that, that you could throw on any pro field, whether it's, you know, a long season A or triple A or even, you know, Major League Baseball when you have seen many games and know a lot of the players, some of the players. They could play. And Michael was, you know, when he was healthy, when his arm was healthy, he was one of those guys. Just with the uh, the ex a little exposure, playing against better players, all that, he would he he could have risen above because he was he was that athlete. But because he was, you know, uh, skinny, you know, he was about six one, six two, I believe. He just wasn't given that opportunity, you know, just passed over it scout days and that and uh it was unfortunate it was unfortunate and i think he re well as soon as he as soon as he got hurt he realized that and, and uh played out his his college career and then played some men's ball and and enjoyed the game that way enjoyed life i want to go back real quick and i want to hit on you know you you, you know you've brought up a couple different times about his his arm trouble and in you had said you know in the episode that we did with your brother and you, and you talked about your arm trouble and you just hit on it here a second ago. Um, and I think that you had said it brought back a lot of memories of the issues that you had. What, what describe the issues that he was having, were they similar to yours? And how did, how did you handle that situation when he was playing with you? Because I'm, I'm sure you took a little bit more extra precaution with him knowing that you had gone through something similar. Yeah, and, and I do with any with any player that uh, is having problems with their arm or anything else. You know, I 
I wouldn't say I get the the fatherly instinct to you know to to help them that way because that's not my personality. But something sparks inside me that hey, you know, I I, I don't want this to happen to uh, to someone else. And it was later with him that he he blew his arm up, so he was still pretty healthy when he, when he played for me. But it, it was it was coming, and you know the, there were signs because with him he had. He had a great arm. He had carry on his arm, and, and uh, he played long toss. He'd throw wall to wall. He'd throw the, the ball over the fence constantly, you know, and, he, he, and that's still the benchmark this, to this day at the stadium is uh, if you can do that, you know, and he was one of those one of those players that could. So, but I could see it coming because, you know, he there'd be days where he would come up sore, um, where he he had never done before, and you could just see a trend. You could see something potentially happening there. Happening there. So there wasn't a lot I could do about it. I mean, you you know, you do the the regular things. Hey, see see a doctor who recommends a physio who you know tries to manage those those things, and you try to keep them out of the lineup. You know, my philosophy is if you if you can't throw you can't swing, you know, and, and that was an early philosophy for, uh, let's say players that would embellish a little bit and not want to do the hard work and long toss and all that sort of thing. So that corrected it. And, uh, I used, so one of those, I used that rule with, with him because I knew with him, if he was hurting, he was hurting. There was no embellishment. There was no trying to get out of hard work or drills or anything like that. So I treated it as such. And and I, I probably had many talks with him about arm care. And, and you know, he, he was not unlike me as when he was growing up when he was younger. You know, he'd take friends out and and, and uh, stick ball games and, and throw BP to uh, – to players and even in in practice without coaches they you know they'd get grouped together he was a guy that was a strike thrower so he would throw batting practice you know he would and they would do extra ball all the time and hey you only have so many bullets in that gun uh, and just like with me i was that guy too you know i would seven days a week i'd be doing something that wouldn't be involved in throwing so he was he was very similar and he, he just wore it out he wore it out, and, and uh, it cost him later on. Did it cost him a, a, a shot playing pro? Eh, maybe because probably it wasn't the, the signs weren't there so much that he would he was his arm was done, but velocity would go down, and, and the arm strength from the five six hole uh, wasn't there. You know, wasn't the same as what it was. So you, you need that. You need the the very best of your game to be able to compete at those levels. Yeah, exactly. And then, so you said he went on and he, he played some uh, men's ball in, in Nanaimo there. Was that for the uh, the coal miners? Yeah, yeah. And it was competitive. Uh, you know, you have a lot of ex-pros, uh, college, uh, ex- or current and ex-college players in that league. And they, uh, and they, they get together with, you know, they, every weekend you, they try to get you know 15 guys out out of a pool of 30 because they're all men and all working now but 
they were all good. They're all ex-pirate players that, you know, played for me or Danny. And uh, the teams were outstanding. And they played the, the equivalents over in Vancouver. And they played down, down in um, Seattle against Seattle Studs and the Everett Merchants. And, and teams that were very similar and very good. So it, it, that was a great ball to watch because it, they were now men. So they were strong and uh, accomplished. So he got his... his uh, his baseball fix in those ways uh, for quite a few years, you know, it was probably, uh, you know, arguably 10, 10 years with the coal miners uh, playing with, again, a lot of uh, his buddies that he grew up with. It was, it was cool to watch because again, they had played, they played at the stadium. So it was just around the corner for my wife and I, and, and uh, we'd go up and watch as many games as we could. Were you really, really excited when you got the opportunity just to go out and watch him play and continue to play as he got older? Oh yeah, you know it's he and he and his brother Brad and and, and my boys. They all play, you know. Later on, they played together, uh, but that at the point I'm talking about is, is is Michael played with Brad and a lot of players that I again coached. So, I mean. My wife is like I, and unfortunately, uh, she is that way. Is we love going to the ballpark and watching games, and, and when it, and when it's family involved, it's even it's even more special because and and then Danny's out there, and and uh, you know they're the boys, significant others are out there, and it, it's just that's what it's all about. And then we continue on to this day, you know, with with my boys uh, playing up there, so. I, just, I, just, I don't know what we'd do. I mean, the, uh, over the years, that's what our vacations were, you know, going to tournaments and, and uh, with the boys coaching them and, and, and or watching them. Well, I shouldn't say watching because I was always coaching them. It was more my wife watching. But, yeah, we I, I miss that with, with Mike, obviously. I miss a lot of things that uh, um, we do together as a family. Uh, but... His legacy lives on. You know, you you see a you see a bit of him at the ballpark every day. You know, there's there's a few things, uh, uh, memorabilia up there of of, of thirty three, and uh, as long as uh, he lives in heart and mind, he's he he's still kicked around that ballpark in my mind. Yeah, and um, here comes the, the the hard question, and that is is. Uh... What what was what was that moment that like for you? And do you recall where you were when you when you found out Mike was first sick with um, with cancer? Mm, yeah, I, I was uh, I was at the ballpark. Um, I don't recall for what event, uh, but yeah, Danny and Teresa were sitting up in the stands, and you know we would uh, go up and usually sit with them. They were by themselves, and so we just walked walked over to say hi, like we always do. And, and uh, they seemed dis disengaged, you know, and they, just that classy look. And, and I didn't ask really anything. Are you guys okay? Is again, we're not that type of family, you know. If someone wants to say something, they will. And and uh, they did. They they told Joan and I right right then, and it, it was gut wrench we you know was, we couldn't believe it we couldn't believe what we heard because we never saw anything leading up to it and, and uh they kept it obviously he, he was having some issues prior to to lead him um 
to get checked, but we never knew anything of that. And, and, uh, and it would be the same with us too. We would be pretty in house with it. And they were, so it was like a punch to the gut. It was, it was awful. I mean, it, it's, it's something you just can't describe, you know? Um, uh, so all, you, all we can do is just be there, but it was just, you just walk around kind of in a daze for a period of time. You know, I remember, I, I don't remember anything else of that day. Uh, you just, I remember that when my brother, when, uh, his assistant coach, suddenly passed away a friend of mine uh bruce mcfarland danny's best friend passed away it was i walked around the ballpark for days just aimlessly you know because i work at i work at the stadium and, and look after him. and i just I, I two or three days would go by and you just you didn't realize that two or three days just went by and it was the same thing with mike it was worse obviously with mike so uh it's hard to explain that's that's the only way i can kind of des- describe it yeah, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I know I talked to Phil, Mike's friend, who yeah. we're going to have in the second part of this inning. He's going to come on and he's going to talk to a little bit, talk to us a little bit about Michael. But, um, you know, it was described that a lot of the baseball community turned out for Michael's funeral and, and everything. And um, did you guys feel, get some comfort knowing and, and seeing all those? individuals who've been a part of his life turn out and support that baseball community you know absolutely it was uh you know it was pretty cool to watch uh you know you don't want to say how wonderful it is but it was a celebration of of who he was in his life and and uh it was at the stadium you know they had another one at the golf course uh but one at the stadium, ex ball players would came. Uh, they had the field all scribed out, thirty three, and you know it was it was laid back. The stories about Mike and and uh, his ball days and school days, and you know stories probably you know Danny and I didn't need to hear, <laughs> but uh, it was all it was all good, you know, and and you could just see the the love pour out of everybody, you know, the support people you haven't seen in years, you know, just not unlike other, you know, other people's families and, and, and uh, celebrations of life that you go to. It, it was, it was very similar, but you know, you had that special athlete bond uh, that spanned years, you know, when he was this little guy, he had, he had players that stopped baseball in, you know, at 12 years old, but knew Mike as, as a buddy, as a teammate, and a buddy outside of baseball, you know, they were there and, and umpires, and you know, I mean, it was it was heartwarming. It, it was it was a sad day, a happy day. It's one of those one of those days, you know. You you, you don't want to be at many of them, but you never want to miss them uh, when when they happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, I got two more questions for you, and then we'll <laughs> uh, flip it over to Phil, but. Uh, First question is, is I want to go back to a little bit happier type thing. Do, you know, do you have a funny story that, uh, that you like to share about Michael and, and you? A funny story. Uh, let's see. Well, uh, I, again, 
there's a lot of a lot of crazy stuff that went on with, with Mike. You know, that was withheld from me uh, because I was his coach. <laughs> but I guess uh, I can I can say like on field, uh, one of the one of the funniest moments was again when I when we talked earlier, I, I said how mean Mike was on the field. And I was I was coaching I was third base coach at the time and, and we were we were offense obviously we were hitting and Mike was I think uh, first base and the ball was hitting into the gap and uh, he could run so I knew it, he had a chance to score and he he was coming around third and I was I was waving him home and I'm I'm going you got get there get there get there you know it's going to be close get and as he's passing you, you could hear him you know huffing and puffing coming around. And the ball was thrown on the on the inside part of third base line, so it was cross cross his base path, base path. And these days, you know, you got to slide and avoid and all that. He went absolutely right through this guy, uh, and ended up, the the player, the catcher, ended up swallowing his chew. <laughs> he uh, did a somersault and swallowed his chew, and Michael stood over top of him as uh, you know, and it was sort of taunting him and the, and the kid was just, it looked like he was going green because, because of what, <laughs> and, and, uh, and you can see almost in the concern on Mike's face, like he, he, he was taunting him like a, hey, I just, I just dominated you sort of thing. But as soon as, as soon as the kid was, he looked, he looked sick. He looked, <laughs> I think Mike, he didn't notice that that's what happened. And he, and he was concerned, you know, he, he sort of grabbed him and, and, and looked at him and made sure he's okay. And then he, he was okay. So he just sort of stepped over him and then started high-fiving. Oh, buddy's over top of this kid, right? And, and I, I, I just, I had to turn around and start walking out towards the outfield because I, I was laughing so hard, you know, and I, and I, you know, I didn't want to do that as a coach. You, I, you never show a whole lot of emotion. But I, I just, I'll never forget that. It was so much fun to, to be involved in, in a play like that. No one was injured. It was just a good, hard baseball play but just the, the different reactions were were priceless <laughs> yeah that, exactly well last question uh for you uh doug and then we'll kick it over to phil um but last question is is explain what you think mike will be most remembered for uh let's see um this will be a a different answer from, from everybody, you know, Phil will give you maybe a player friend perspective where with me, it's, it's more of a, obviously a coaching perspective. I mean, I guess with, with him, I'll remember the, the zest he had for life. You know, he, he reminds me of one of, one of my boys, one of my twins. They have, they're very, very similar. In, in their in their attitude, their athletic ability, and you know it, it's funny because he's he's like a my boy's like a walking reminder of Mike, and and that's pretty cool. You know, I, I don't have to go very far. I don't have to dig very deep inside to see Mike. You know, in in his mannerisms and and his his attitude and a good attitude, fun attitude in through one of my boys and and uh i do 
I, I think about that quite often. You know, when I when I watch my son named Brady, I watch him play. They're they're so similar. They you know they run the same. They uh, they play very you know very much the same way. So you know, uh, my mem- I don't have to uh, draw a lot. You know, I, it's right there, right in front of me. And and, and I and I, I love Mike's uh, love of the game. He knew the game, uh, and I see him at the ballpark all the time as far as in, in my head. That's where I see him, you know, the family gatherings, the holidays. That's that's all great. That's all family stuff, but our family was at the ballpark, and that's where he was, and, and that that's where we were best, and he was best there, and uh, that's what I remember is that big, big smile he had, and just the love for the game that he had, you know, the, and it won't be hard to re- also, you know, to remember you know, as time goes by, I lost a middle brother. Danny and I lost uh, a middle brother. Um, you know, it, it's, you have to, he, he was 40, you know, he'd be, he'd be uh, three years older than me now. So he'd be almost 60. You, I don't want to say you have to struggle to remember things, but you do have to put some thought into, you know. And with with Mike, here's a here's a little story if you, if you got the time. Um, my my uh, daughter-in-law and, and uh, my son just had a baby, uh, and it was on the day Mike passed. So. We were driving to uh, the ferry terminal in Victoria to go see my my son and my daughter in law because they were there in the hospital, just ready to have a baby. And as we're driving, we get the phone call from Danny and Teresa saying that Mike had passed. So we go to the hospital, you know, an hour and a half later, and Frey is born. You know, so on the on the very same day, the the emotions just were unbelievable. You know, from devastation to elation, and but now, you know, every time Freya comes around, and she's coming around now to her first birthday, and every birthday, consequently, we're gonna tie that together with uh, with Mike. And yeah, right now it's. A tough way to remember him but as time goes on it'll be it'll be stories around the table so it'll be it'll be a, a nice a nice connection so that's my memory my little story of uh of 33 excellent well thank you so much for your time doug i really appreciate it and i'm sure everybody else will appreciate your insight and your knowledge that you've shared with us um, for my, uh, Michael. So that'll do it for this portion of 33. We'll transition now over to Phil. Let's take it away. Welcome to part two of 33. We're here with Phil Gagne, friend of Mike. Phil, thank you for taking time to join me and to work through this inning of 33 
Uh, I know it's a it's a difficult one to talk about, but uh, at the same time, it's uh, it's important to ensure that Mike Rogers' legacy lives on. And uh, I'm just glad to ha- glad to have you on. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Now, Phil, when when was the earliest time that you can remember when you first met Mike? Um, I mean, looking back at pitchers, we played on the same t-ball team in my first year ever playing baseball, but we really became closer friends when when we were around nine, ten years of age, playing baseball and hockey. And uh, how how would you describe Michael as a youth? um i was a hard worker um just very very passionate person um uh, for both the sport of baseball and hockey um he uh yeah he was kind of one of those all-rounded athletes whatever he picked up he he did it really well um whether it be even pick up games of golf or shooting hoops or or any of that he was he was just uh very passionate and, and, and excelled at, at all sports. Now, what was that moment that you, that you knew like, Hey, I think this guy and I are going to be really, really good friends. What was that moment for you? (laughs) Are you editing this? (laughs) (laughs) A little. Okay, good. No, um, there's been many times through college too, but, um, I think just, just, uh, his dad, uh, Danny, was was my coach growing up, and um, and him and I went to the we went to the same high school. But um, I would say I would say probably the eighth grade when when um, we played sports for all these years, and we we're all, we we're very very good friends. Um, but I'd say when we became kind of best buddies, it would have been high school because you know we both came from different schools and then of course had the, the, um, mutual, uh, we, we knew each other through our sports. We came really, really good friends in high school, but I would say, yeah, nine, 10, 11, 12, when, when our, our baseball teams were so close, um, we got very, very close. Um, I would stay at his grandparents in Victoria. When we played ball in Victoria, he would stay at my grandparents when we played ball in Courtney. And, and, um, like I said, being together almost every day of our, our youth with hockey and baseball, as you know, they're, they're both at an elite level. They're very demanding schedules. So we would literally probably see each other, I don't know, 200 days a year, not to mention just hanging out and throwing rocks at the beach and stuff so um i would say nine nine ten years old was probably when we started um becoming really close and we would bill it together um, down in mount baker when we were nine ten at tournaments uh we billeted it together in penticton for provincials when we were 12 years old so we were we were always together uh, so yeah long and short of it is probably 10 years old What were those early on conversations like that you can remember with with him about sports and and kind of what where, where your two paths were going, you know, whether they were leading in the same direction or if they were going in different directions sports wise? Um, I think we we both we both followed the same suit as far as um, 
I went away in grade nine and played hockey in Saskatchewan. Um, decided to, that I knew hockey wasn't, I mean, I played one more year with him. Um, he quit a year. He actually ended hockey a year before me, but we, we would always talk about it. And, and both of us decided that baseball was a real passion. May have very well had, not me, but maybe him, um, I, I, I don't like to say I was very good at hockey, but with him, he was very good and, and maybe hockey was the right choice, but it wasn't because of the, the passion wasn't there. And for the same reason that I stopped as well. Um, so that probably 13, 14, we started talking like adults, I guess you'd say, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, uh, kind of, we, we've followed one another's, uh, lead I probably followed his lead he he left hockey a year before me um and then we just focused on baseball and I mean our communication I was his catcher and and you know he was one of our starting pitchers and uh so our we had quite the bond in that in that sense as well now as you know I have I clearly have best friends and so on so um my question to you is what were those conversations like where, you know, he was asking you, should I go hockey? Should I stay baseball or, or something like that? Um, I don't, I don't think I, I, I don't have a lot of recollection of, of specific conversations with him. Um, more just discussing. Um, we did discuss lots on what, what colleges to go to um decisions on whether to stay in Canada go down to the states all of that I remember those quite clearly of course and and as his dad was very involved with us as well um I I I recall those but to to make the transfer over from hockey to baseball there's nothing specifically that I um I recall um individual conversations or anything just more actions yeah. Now, when you got into the high school level, playing more competitively in baseball, you know what were what were the two of you doing as far as workouts and making sure that you were prepared for the season and even during the season. What what was what was that like for you guys? Yeah, it was good actually. Um, Danny, Danny was I was introduced to the gym. I guess in the eighth grade. Um, and then when I got back from Notre Dame playing hockey, um, his dad took us to the local gym together and we worked out lots. Um, it was always fun because I razzed him, uh, hard about being so skinny. We called them wallets, right? They put wallets in his, to fill out his pants and his butt, but, uh, you know, so we'd razz him pretty hard and he took that personally, you know, and, and, uh, ended up being, uh, I don't know if you've seen pictures, but he ended up being quite the tank until the day the day he died um so we would we would uh it was a bit of a joker right and we'd we'd get on him pretty good and and it just motivated him more obviously we knew it didn't hurt his feelings but um we had good workouts we we would train we had a the odd indoor facility here that we would work out of i had a <clears throat> i had a batting cage at um at my property growing up and and he would come in fact there's a hilarious story about that that I said at the service, but he, um, yeah, we would come there and Hey, we'd even, we even brought the boxing gloves out and we'd turn my batting cage into a boxing ring, um, and, and just beat the snot out of each other. So there was, uh, we, we trained all, all winter, all summer, lots of it together. Um, just being best buddies and, 
And um, like I said, with with his dad helping us in the gym as well, because his dad was was quite an athlete and a bodybuilder at one time as well. So, um, yeah, we we worked real hard, harder than anyone else. And and, uh, you know, that's yeah. Okay, yeah. you're teasing me with this funny story. I, I got I, I got to hear this. Is this is oh, this rated or is this is this something yeah, a little bit uh, off the rock? There's, there's a couple of the batting cage. We turn the lights on and throw the boxing gloves on and and just go at it. And one time he did get knocked out cold, so that was but he was kicking the shit out of me because he had such a long reach. And uh, I finally got inside and made him see black, which was pretty funny, but, um, but we were, we had a, a group of guys when we were playing for the coal miners, the senior men's team. And we, um, <clears throat> we were all there and my parents were there and, and we're just hitting in the cage and, and uh, Mike just smashes one and it rips, rips the net, smashes a, a large sliding glass window. And we're going, Oh shit. Like, Oh no, what do it might, you know, and Mike, all Mike did was he goes, oh, I F and smashed that. He goes, it's just a window. I crushed that. And he's so mad. No one's talking about that yet. We're all like, <laughs> so we got, we had a buddy who happened to be on our team who worked at a window place. So we had it fixed, you know, momentary, like the same day. So we got pretty lucky there, but uh, yeah, he just, all he wanted to do was talk about how hard he hit that ball and how he ripped the net and it was a new net and, you know, he was, uh, yeah, he had stuff to prove apparently, but, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it was pretty funny. So, you know, getting in your later towards your high school career at that point when, you know, you two of you started getting serious about, you know, your playing career beyond the, you know, the high school level and uh, where, what were those conversations like with, you know, between the two of you and, Kind of what you what what you were thinking and what what he was thinking and kind of where you guys two ended up going. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, things were a lot different back then, right? For Canadians, um, I mean, they the doors were certainly getting opened up more and more, but um, not as as common as it is to go down as it is now, of course. But um, we decided to go. I was looking at Eastern Oklahoma. He was looking at New Mexico. We were kind of talking to all of them and we ended up going to Prairie baseball Academy together and lived together um, in, in Lethbridge just to do one year there and then, um, and then explore other options as it was kind of getting late. It wasn't, it wasn't the same back then. You'd be deciding where you'd go after your season and you're leaving in two months. So just got a little quick and hectic for our decisions. We went there together, lived together, I don't know, a whole lot of trouble together. Um, and then, uh, and then um, we decided to, the next year, um, uh, we were talking about different options. He ended up going to New Mexico. I ended up going to Oklahoma. Actually, I went to South Dakota and then Oklahoma, but um, we, we, we talk a lot about it, but again, it was, it was different back then when Facebook didn't exist. I mean, geez, I don't think MSN messenger existed yet. So there wasn't a lot of talk when we were away, but then we'd get back together in the summers. And of course it was game on for, for hanging out and everything. Yeah. But what we, were those conversations like in the summer times? Cause you know, clearly you're, you're comparing and contrasting notes about, okay, this is what I did during the season you know, and Mike's probably like, this is what I did during the season. Were you, were you really kind of just 
hey, here's what I learned. Here's, you know, here's a new batting stance. Maybe this is a different way to grip the bat. Maybe this is a way to field the ball a little bit different. Maybe I get pivoting differently to, to throw the ball. I mean, you know, were you, were you kind of communicating in that, that manner with I mean, one another? You know what? Our relationship was more just being jackasses to, <laughs> towards one another. You know, we, we would, uh, yeah, we talk a lot about stuff. Um, I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was a silky smooth infielder and I was just, a, a, you know, I'd knock the ball down, take it off the face when I played third base and, and throw somebody out. I wasn't as smooth and stuff as him and I was more into catching, but um, we didn't, we didn't talk a ton about that. We would in the summer when I was catching for him with our, our summer league team, um, we would talk a lot as pitcher catcher relationship. Um, but to be honest with you, it was more just excited to see each other, excited to be home, excited to, uh, work out together in the summers and, and, um, hang out again. Right. It wasn't so technical, um, our conversations, but of course we, we'd certainly compare notes on what you're learning, what you're doing, what bats you're swinging, what gloves Mm -hmm. you're all of that stuff, but, uh, not super, super technical. Yeah. I've spoken with a few people. Um, in Nanaimo and I've I've asked them I'm like you know I'm doing this research for COBOL and trying to figure out well who who may be one of the better players in in your recommendation that has come out of Nanaimo and or kind of one of those unknown diamond in the rough players and and Mike's name was brought up a couple different times and so I'm I'm wondering from you what makes him so special on the on the diamond what was so special about him and the way that he played you know he he had a uh he just had a, a certain type of edge um you know i i swear he, he you know he was as uh, as much as we'd hound him he he um he, he was a he, he was a thinker he was a good th- you know I, I to this day i swear he's the uh he's the inventor of the 1-0 change up um you know, we always, we always would even start a guy with, and he didn't throw real hard. He was only 82 to 84, 85, but he was smart and he had this dirty change up and we just throw it all the time. Right. We just, and it was uh, ahead of the count behind in the count. And, and he, so he was thoughtful that way, but I think more than anything, he just had an edge like a, you know, like picture at this whole time we're talking like that kind of, I don't know how this should be said, but the kind of FU attitude, um, you yeah, know, like I, a no care I, attitude, just going out there and trying to prove everybody wrong. Yeah, he, you know, we, uh, here's, here's another funny story that I said when I, when I spoke at the service, we, um, we were playing, playing a team on the mainland and they had a, a guy who had about 14 years of, of big league, uh, pro experience. I don't know how much big league and I won't say the name cause it, it, uh, I think the the cops might've been called at the end of this game, but you know, he's playing shortstop and, and this guy's, uh, who we used to hound a little bit. He, he was coaching third base and, um, you know, Mike kind of, we, we threw at a guy and then Mike's yapping to him and he goes, Oh, he did he say to Mike, he was, I'll rake the field with you little boy or whatever. Right. This guy who played in the majors and everything else. Me and Mike are 18 years old. I'm playing third base. He's playing shortstop. And you know, this guy's, over 30 years old and played in the major leagues. Right. And Mike's just, eh, and just turned into this big bench clearing brawl. Our right fielder, James Batonti is 
telling him he's going to get one in the spine. And it just, like I said, it turned into just bench clearing brawl race for the ferry and uh, <laughs> be done. Cause we're on an Island here. I'm sure you know. So, um, and Mike also, Mike started that with a guy with 13, just didn't care. Right. Like, you know, you're no better than me. You're no better than me. You're no, you're not any more special, any better, anything. And then I'll tell you where to go if I, if I'm feeling it. So I think that was a big thing with him. He just, uh, yeah, just that, mm-hmm. that kind of, that uh, nobody's better than me attitude, I guess would be. Yeah. Now, a good one to say. so Mike and his, Mike's dad and Mike's uncle, you know, yeah. from my understanding or had coached him, you know, throughout the years and, and upward to a certain point in his career. Yeah. How did he, how did he feel or what did he, how did he explain to you what it was like to, to play for his, his uncle and his dad? Um, I, I think more is, I, I don't, re- Doug coached the odd team for us, but Danny was from when we were nine years old, Danny coached us until we graduated. Um, and he was good. Dan was hard on him, hard on me, obviously kind of treated me like a kid as well. Um, but he, he just, we just all grew accustomed to it. Mike as well. Right. He would, uh, his dad just would, was far from treating him with any, uh, any extra privileges or, or anybody for that matter. And, um, he was good. He was good. It was just the way it was. Right. And I guess when it's, that's his attitude and his way of life at home too, it probably makes it even easier, but he didn't ever complain or, or, um, sulk about it. I yeah. mean, we just weren't allowed. <laughs> if you knew Danny, there was no, we were, we were taught the right way and, and, and only one way. So if, if you didn't like it, he, he'd just pull his ass right off the field, just like anybody. Yeah. But now, would you say was Mike more of a leader or was he kind of one of those guys that just kind of I, I would say I would say Mike was a, a leader in his actions, but not not his words. Like he well, wasn't what were those actions. Like what do you, what do you, how would you explain it? Uh, just just how he played the game. I mean, to be honest with you, he 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 would get down <laughs> down quite a bit and we'd get on him, but I think um I think that uh, just being good, you know, he could play, he could he could pitch, he could play short, he could play third base. If you throw him in the outfield, he, he'd drag his head, probably going out there, but he could do it. Um, so I think just the fact that he was such a such a well, um, uh, just a utility guy, I think that people looked up to that. Um, he would certainly get get a little little spaz for sure, but. Um, um, he, as far as uh, he would get in someone's face if they needed to be talked to, but he he was he wasn't such a raw raw guy by any means. But he would he would if someone's we had a couple you know there'd be a couple guys pouting or whining he would get in their face get your you know get your shit together get 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 back up there and go you know and um but yeah I, I wouldn't say a, a verbal leader but a leader by um, by just how we play the game. Yeah. So he's a lead by example kind of guy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you sent me a picture of Mike and you, and it had 33 written on it. And I had yeah. asked you, I'm like, what's the 33? And, and you were like, it's, it's Mike's number. And of course we use that number as to title this inning or yeah. half inning is whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I know it's really a special inning, but did he ever 
ever explained to you why the number 33, like why you wore it, why you chose it? You know what? I, I, I don't know. No, no. I think, I think um, Travis Gallia had it, I think one year before we got into the premier league and then he took it over and no, I don't, I don't know, to be honest with you. Uh, I did never have that talk with him. I mean, I know Larry Walker is obsessed. I don't know if you read that. It was on baseball or whatever on Instagram saying, Larry Walker was 33. He got mm-hmm. married, married at 3:33. All the obsessive things about 33. I don't really, I don't know, but it was special. Like when my daughter went to Canadian, she put 33 on her shoe. Like everyone knows what, everyone knows what that number means, you know. And and uh, it's it's his, right? So, but I don't, I don't recall a specific conversation or or um, why, but I know no one else was touching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to the Nanaimo baseball group for the West Coast League. And, you know, my understanding from from just talking with them is, is that 33 will not be a number being worn by any any member, you know, of their team. So I know that from those conversations and conversations that I had, you know, 33 really holds a special place um, in the hearts of those in, in Nanaimo. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's, let's talk. So you both go through college um, and what, what happens with Mike after college? Like where, you know, where does he go from there? Where do you go from there with him? Um, we, we remain very close friends. Um, we, uh, mine was sports re- or injury related, um, but we continued to play a little bit of men's ball together um, for a few years. And, and then um you know, with work and, and my children and coaching and everything, I, I really, uh, I have the two busiest kids in the world. So um, we, we didn't spend a ton of time together. Um, after that, we would see each other, you know, especially when I, we found out he was sick the first time, you know, we came over to my buddies to watch Super Bowl. And, and um, then the second time, in fact, uh, we randomly, man, the most random, um, we were uh, a buddy of ours just got his doctorate, Bill Haddon, and and or just got his residency, and he came to Nanaimo. I was coaching my daughter's ball game, and he just showed up with Daryl Robson, another fellow who uh, who we all played men's ball with, and and I'm like, holy shit! We and we just started getting on the ringer, and we ended up having a party at my house with with uh, all the ball. Well, there was probably half a dozen ball guys, and and Mike let us know that it it had come back, and you know, we we're like, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, kind of heartbreaking, but also re- very random that we we're all together because we hadn't seen each other in months and months. And then we actually got word that another buddy we played with and grew up with died that night um, in a bit of a tragic um, thing. Uh, Dave Monroe was his name. And, and we were all together. Right. And it's like, man, whenever all these things happen, somehow we're always we're together. Right. All these different moments and in time and that's that's i think the hardest thing is yeah it's kind of like a fate type thing you know every brings brings everybody together it's weird man yeah i'm i'm building a a baseball field at my house over the last four years and and you know we turn the lights on and and um you know we've got the sprinklers going and we didn't even know i went to i went to baseball that day um coaching coaching my daughter just thinking it was another day come home have a barbecue go to bed and all of a sudden it turns into you know sitting on the ball field with the lights on and 
being dumb with our, our beers and everything else. And, and you look back at random events like that and go, man, it, it really makes, you know, things are, things happen for a reason. Right. And, yeah. Clearly, uh, clearly. Looking yeah. Back, yeah. Looking back on that night, it's like, ugh, it just uh, makes you, makes you swell up for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so who called you when you heard of Mike's passing? Um, I think, well, when he was quite his dad, his dad, right. He, he called me the second. Um, and, uh, he, I called him, um, when I heard Mike was really sick cause, and they didn't want to bug me cause I was going through a divorce and, and, um, you know, just busy and craziness and everything else. And, and I said, Hey, tell me, tell me this isn't like, true right because the last thing i said to him you know as a best friend does when he told us he was sick again i said ah you're too much of a pussy to die you know like you're you're not tough enough you won't <laughs> yeah you know, just like we said about him having little arms and turns into a, a monster right so i was kind of using that that smart ass thing that i used with him my whole life and we laughed and all that and but yeah danny um he said yeah he's quite sick and so we made some efforts to you know my son MLB TV on his iPad and brought it to him in the hospital. And we, you know, we really started trying to see him as much as he could. And he just didn't really want to see anyone towards the end. But yeah, that was Dan. Danny um, told me, yeah. Yeah. uh, You know, I I remember having a a friend of mine, good friend, passed away when we were really, really young. And, you know, I know how, how, how difficult that that situation is um, for anybody uh, to have to go through. And, you know, you, you've got to experience uh, a little bit longer than I did uh, with my friend. Uh, But, you know, the important, the important thing is that you, you got to experience that time um, with Michael that, that you had on earth here. And, you know, it's something that I think that we all, get to live with for the rest of our life is those memories. And then I guess being honored to just being part of his, his, his life um, as a whole uh, was pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we've all dealt with lots of, or most people have dealt with lots of death and, and um, you know, the fact that you get to have those last, Last words, last chats, all of that stuff is is nice, right? Um, and uh, yeah, you look back and oh man, it it whenever you get together, baseball is a funny thing, as you know. It's just it doesn't matter what goes on, what anything. You're just it's just family, right? And and our group that we had growing up, and we were good, man. We were so good. We we uh, you know the our grade eight our when we were 18, we, Morneau and Francis, both, you know, first round draft picks played together and we beat the hell out of those guys, right? They were a year younger. So, <laughs> but the, just the bond that we had in, in on that ball team is whenever we get together, which we just, God, man, whether it's Costco or, or the baseball field with our kids now, Mike always comes up and, and uh, we always have, oh, there's just so many, so many stories. And that was like a week when this happened. We, you know, Jeff Steele and North Carolina's phone, and and and, and we literally just laughed. There were so many, so many things that uh, he did and we did that I, we filled two or three lives in that in that short thirty 
39 years. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it was, it was very thankful, but ju- mm-hmm. also makes it that much harder, of course. Yeah. So at, at Mike's funeral and, and so on, um, did a lot of the, a lot of the former ball players and, and people who were just part of his baseball life gather and, and just kind of talk about these random, funny, funny stories of things oh, yeah. with Mike. Oh yeah. That, that was, that was the whole thing. We, we did it at the golf course, um, you know, and it was just, it was jam packed. Um, baseball people, work people, everybody. Uh, they even named a dump truck after him, big Mike, the dump truck he ran, um, you know, and with the baseball, I have that sticker in my bar actually. And, and he, um, yeah, we just, we, we had a great time. People from everywhere came down, of course, um, from all over. And, and then we went down to, uh, went to Wendy's and got our 40 junior bacon cheeseburgers and went down to Danny and Teresa's house, uh, which is on the golf course, um, where the service was. And we, um, yeah, we stayed up till a silly hour and yeah, it's just nothing but, but funny and, and good stories. Lots of them you probably don't want on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have lots that will never go on this podcast, but, um, <laughs> You brought up Wendy's bacon cheeseburgers. Is there there's there's a, is there a story? Is this something that uh, that the the guys and Mike and you would frequent once in a while? You know what we did, and we'd always walk over um, from our high school around the corner. Him, myself, uh, Scott, Mar, Dave, a couple couple guys of our high school buddies um, who played ball with us, but you know phased out of the competitive baseball but yeah we go and get our junior bacon cheeses and and then and actually the story came up about when when uh we were in lethbridge playing ball and we left we are I, we had already ordered pizza at the service and everything we just were not slowing down so we um we uh started telling us a story of when we left him in the car in minus 10 degrees we went and got our, we went and got our, they were actually junior whoppers. So we were saw, remember that time we went and got junior whoppers and we left Mike in the car and he almost died because of hypothermia. <laughs> Just idiots, right? At <laughs> three in the morning. And, and then we're, uh, we're like, oh man, those would be good right now. And, but it was too far away. So we went and got the junior bacon cheeses on the way to Danny's house. And, and yeah, they laughed. I think we ordered 40 or 20 or 30 or something. And the lady's like, uh, you mean? three no 30 and we went over <laughs> she's like you're crazy yeah yeah so yeah the junior bacon cheeseburgers don't have as much of a story as the junior whopper but uh yeah he was ready to kill me man he was so mad at me and it was cold it was minus i don't even know <laughs> what but he wasn't waking up and he uh yeah it wasn't my fault <laughs> but yeah that's a little bit of a story there I guess. yeah no that's fun it's, those are always some good moments to relive but, uh, yeah. you know, Phil, I really, really appreciate, you know, you providing us with some time to, to talk about Mike and, uh, I, I'm for that, I'm, I'm really greatly appreciative, but, you know, just you sharing your, your stories and these memories, um, I'm glad that they'll, uh, get to live on, um, and that people, um, that are not in the NIMO or, you know, others will, uh, be able to hear, um, your story in your history with Michael. Um, and I'm really appreciative. So I thank you very much. 
No, yeah, you bet. Any time, and and I uh, sorry for the difficulty with our communication and stuff like that. It's uh, been a crazy world over the last couple of months, to say mm-hmm. the least. I can, um, you know, I'm I'm sure I've got lots of pictures and all that sort of stuff of Mike. If you if you need anything, I couldn't really find much on the stadium. I do have that brochure somewhere. Yeah, um, but I'm sure you've gathered enough information about that stuff. Yeah. So, so before. We end 33, um, and we close out this inning. Um, I'm going to leave it to you uh, to give us one final memory of Mike. If 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 you could just say one, you know, one or two things to anybody about Mike, I'm going to give you this this final time to to end it and and say what you would say. Oh man, you should have prepped me for this. Um, yeah, I don't, oh buddy, I don't know. Um, I, I guess just, uh, I, I don't know. That's, that's a tough one. I might have to zoom you back on that. Um, I, I guess it's just, uh, you know, you're, you're just be bigger and better than everybody, whether you are or you aren't. Um, I think just how 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 good of an athlete he was, how how well-rounded of an athlete he was, um, and and first and foremost, just how good of a person he he was, and and um, how passionate he was, and how driven he was. Um, I think that would sum it up best. And an all-rounded athlete, not just baseball, basically anything he touched. But yeah, just how driven, strong and um stubborn he was and and wouldn't accept failure 